this question that someone gave me to address today to talk about is dealing with the sermon or dealing with the topic of judging and it references specifically Matthew 7 and Luke chapter 6 these very famous statements that Jesus made about judging and uh, I saw this somewhere came up with this thought it was interesting because the question the essence of this question which I'll read in a second is um, why is it that we aren't able to judge people how can we avoid judging people and yet Jesus said do not judge and so someone I don't know who but someone came up with this people tell me judge not lest ye be judged and I tell them twist not scripture yes lest ye be like Satan so they're saying obviously of course that uh, that we do judge and we do have to judge here are the two scriptures that are referenced. Let me read the question. It says, don't judge. These verses are used often to silence opposition. What exactly does that refer to? Matthew 7, 1 and Luke 6, 37. And here are those verses. We're familiar with them. I'm sure we've read them, heard them. And the point of this person is, yes, and we get them thrown at us if we seek to stand up for or correct or somehow express an opinion, then somebody's surely going to throw this in our face. Don't judge lest you be judged. Jesus said, you know, and this is saying, what about this? What is Jesus talking about? <laughs> I just, I read recently about a woman who said, you know, to her husband, everybody in that town, everybody in that town is judgmental. And he said, how do you know? You can tell by looking at them. More and more people I know, this continues, more and more people I know look at heaven as the default destination for all. I know people that believe all you need is God in your heart. Don't worry and live as you please. Heaven is your eternal home anyway. People say, well, he's in a better place, heaven. Should, should we Christians stay quiet and let others think as they may? Don't we make cast judgments almost daily? Will we be held accountable for our silence? So if I understand this question, they're saying, if you see somebody going off the rails and you don't say something because you don't want to be accused of being judgmental, will we not be held accountable for not being our brother's brother? And, uh, and so it kind of comes back to this question of, what is Jesus talking about? These are uh, statements that are from the Sermon on what we call the Sermon on the Mount, Luke in chapter 6, Matthew in chapter 7. Um, if you look at those, just by the way, I may come back to this, I may not, but if you look at those, you, you can recognize that the, the Hebrew poetic structure of what's called parallelism you have statements that are made that they really all mean the same thing. They're saying exactly the same thing. They're just using variety and saying it in different ways. So they're either, they're either just adding on one little bit at a time but saying the same thing, or sometimes by, op, by using opposite parallelism, they're saying this is how it is but not this way, and they're really all making the same point. So, uh, for example, do not judge and you will not be judged. Do not condemn and you will not be condemned. It's really saying the same thing. 
forgive and you will be forgiven. That's saying it from the opposite side of the, of the looking at it from the, the back side of the mirror, or with a mirror view. That whatever the, the, the point, a big part of this point at least is, what I give out, I'm going to receive back in. I'm going to receive back again. But the phrase and the word, which is a general word in the Greek language or in, in, the, in the Greek language for judging, just to mean to perceive, to, to divide, to cut into, um, it, it's, it's a word that has the idea of making a decision. It's not a, a word from the court or the legal, it's, it's not a legal word, it's just a word from everyday life which means basically to make decisions, um, to make judgments, and so forth. So, the question is, these verses are often used to silence our Christian opinion or understanding about something. Should we allow them to do that? Are we judging when we say, hey, you, sh you shouldn't do that, or you, you need to stop doing that, or you need to change something? You should repent. You should turn this direction. Are we, should we be allowed to feel free and, and encouraged to do that? Or is that expressing judgment? Um, <clears throat> so this, this topic is one that is a very relevant and very real part of our everyday life. In fact, this person says here, don't we make judgments almost daily? Which I'm sure we all understand the answer to that is yes. I saw, uh, I was at a stoplight the other day over here by McDonald's, and a uh, dude pulled up beside me on a motorcycle, so he was close by me because he was just out my window basically, and he had his share of tattoos, and one of them I could see very clearly just from six feet away, quite lengthy and bold down his arm was, don't judge me. And I thought to myself, as he roared away into traffic, why is he afraid of my judging him? I, I just had to wonder. I mean, and then I thought, I hope the tattoo was meant for me and not for God. I, I hope he wasn't trying to send a message to God saying, don't judge me, because that's not going to work. I hope it at least was just for his fellow humans that he was, he was saying to them, in essence, back off. Don't tell me whether I should have tattoos or what my hair should look like or whether I, whatever my lifestyle. You mind your business. Don't judge mine. Don't judge me. That's what he was saying. He has a right to say it. It's a free world. I just had to wonder why he was, felt the need to plaster that billboard on his body. But this is uh, a very common message that we give to each other. Don't judge me. And the question saying, Jesus said, don't judge each other. But how is that possible? And what exactly is it to judge one another? What, what was Jesus expressing? I, I just wanted to point out, it seems to me that there's two types of judgment that we very easily head into. That the word judgment may be divided by this very convenient uh, uh, traffic barrier. The one is, we make judgments about ourselves. And so we may decide that we need to change something. We may decide that we don't like something about ourselves. We may decide many things about ourselves, and nobody else is involved. 
I certainly don't think that's what Jesus was talking about. At the same time, there are, on the other side, relationships. And this is where my judgment, my decisions, actually impact the life of somebody else. And so this is not a judgment about myself. This is a judgment about someone else. And... uh, And and this is, of course, where we get into trouble. This is where we get into controversy. This is, of course, where the finger can be pointed back at us and and said, and someone can say, Jesus said, don't judge, because you will be judged. Uh, I want to read a couple of verses in 1 Corinthians. This is from the great leader and writer and apostle, Paul, in chapter uh, in chapter 4. And verse 3. Actually, I think this is verse 4 or 5. He's discussing just this issue of, of, of our own conscience and whether or not anybody else is going to have to answer for our conscience or we're going to have to answer for the conscience or the deeds or decisions of someone else. And he's saying to those people in Corinth, um, it really doesn't matter what you think about the decisions that I have made because you will not in the end be the judge of my life. And he says, I don't even always understand myself. I don't even I don't even rest in, at ease if my conscience is clear because my conscience might be messed up. God may have a different idea even than my own conscience. And so I don't consider myself innocent or trustworthy just because my conscience is clear. I really want to I really want to acknowledge and come center my life on the Lord, not on my human feeling or personality to justify the things that I might do or say. And this is what he says in verse 5. Therefore, judge nothing before the appointed time. Wait till the Lord comes. He will bring to life what is hidden in darkness, and he will expose the motives of men's heart. At that time, each will receive his praise from the Lord. So he's saying, be careful not tooting your own horn just because you you have done something that your own conscience feels very pleased about because there are hidden things and motives, for example, are something we cannot see. We cannot possibly know in each other's lives. So even when someone does something that we consider to be awesome, it could be that their motive stunk. They may have had a very selfish, self-centered motive. We We cannot always see the way clearly through every issue. And so Paul says, don't judge anything until the appointed time. The day will come. God will bring it all to light. Just put it on hold and let God judge it when the day of judgment comes. So that's in chapter 4. Let me read some more statement, another statement from chapter 5 of 1 Corinthians. There's a, there's a, there's a, a, a bad situation has erupted or emerged there in that community, in that church. And apparently it had to deal, it had to deal with, a, or apparently it was the circumstance of a person, a man, and his stepmother being involved with each other. And 
Paul writes that or talks to, uh, to them about that in chapter 5. It is actually reported that there is sexual immorality among you of a kind that does not even occur among the pagans. And he says, as he goes on, you should have been filled with grief and kicked this guy out of the church, Paul says. You should have, you should have booted him from the fellowship. In other words, there should have been some kind of standard that you strove to uphold here in the fellowship of the church. But you didn't. In fact, you just are real careless about it and you think it's all funny and so forth. And Paul says in verse 4, 3, even though, listen to this, even though I am not physically present, I am with you in spirit. I have already passed judgment on the one who did this as if I were present. When you assemble and the power of the Lord is present, hand this dude over to Satan. Now, that's, I'm not going to get into that because I don't, I don't have time to deal. I don't have time for all that. I'm not even sure what form that exactly takes. But did you notice in chapter 4, he said, don't judge anything before it's appointed time. Just let God take care of all the judgments. You just live your humble life and keep your nose pulled in and, and allow others to do as they need to do. And, and don't judge anything. There will be a day of judgment. That's in chapter 4. Chapter 5, he says, what are you waiting on? Why are you, why are you being so uh, mild here? This guy, needs some, this guy needs to have a decision handed down to him that hurts. This guy needs to be stood up against. This is unacceptable. I know I'm not even there, but I already passed judgment. Just like I was there. I've heard enough. I don't even need to hear anymore. This is my verdict. Now, this is the same man writing in the same letter to the same people. And one moment he says, just tolerate things. And the next moment he says, you need to condemn this action. This is not, this is not something you can just act as if it's not going on around you. You need to stand up and make a, make a statement. This guy cannot be allowed to continue on in this. So you see what I'm saying. We... Uh, we have the issue of judging our own hearts and our own life and our own course of action. But we also have before us this relations of other people. People come and go in our lives and sometimes we didn't ask for them. They just, these situations just land in our lap. Um, and yet we have to make a judgment. And so this question says, don't we make judgments? Then why would Jesus say don't? Do not judge, or you will be judged. And, and this is, you know, this is a, a very critical, commonplace area, uh, issue of our life. Okay, what do we base our judgments on when, when we make decisions that we then base our, our behavior on? What, do we, what kind of things do we use to make our judgments? We use, we, we use information, we use experience, other experience in the past. We also use personal preferences. Sometimes we may express a negative opinion of something only because just, we just feel negative. We just don't like certain kind of behavior or look or whatever it may be. And so it's hard for us to hold back because we have our own personal preferences and opinions. 
Nevertheless, whatever we base our judgments on, it is inherent, as this pointed out. Every day, I think, always, we do make judgments. We cannot live life apart from making decisions, often decisions based on something that we would condemn or not feel is, is not allowed or should not be allowed, something that is hurting us. Uh, or something that we feel is hurting our community, and so we stand up against it and say, this should not be allowed. And the person who wants to do it or carry it out is, is at odds with us. And so we're making a judgment, uh, a negative judgment about something. It, it, it seems to me that we cannot escape this, that this is inherent in our Christian life. One of the things that I had as a thought, I mentioned this in your sermon notes, is the whole idea of government which we're told in both the Old and the New Testament, is something that God has ordained and designed and given to us to prevent chaos, to enable people to live together as a society, as a culture. What would possibly keep us from getting along if we didn't have government? Well, if all of if everything we said and did was positive toward each other, if everything we did was accepting and tolerant of each other, we wouldn't need government to guide us. We wouldn't need a judge or a courtroom to step in. We wouldn't, but that's not the case. We all understand that. So at times, somebody does, does, has done something that has been deemed by society as expressed by law as unacceptable. And so when they step across that line, the policemen come or whatever expression form this happens... And they're hauled before a judge or a court and, say, and, and given uh, a, a stern warning or a penalty or put in jail or something because somebody has made a judgment on behalf of all of us so that we can all get along and we have in common the set of values or laws that we call our, you know, our society that is embodied in our government. That whole idea is to prevent chaos, anarchy. If we didn't have some kind of buffer to help us, all we would do would be taking pot shots at each other all the time, and, 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 and life would be just one crisis after another. Yes, we do. We, yes, we must. In fact, I wanted to just take a moment and look at and think about, and I'm not going to spend a lot of time here, here are some things that we are expressly told in the New Testament as Christians because we are Christians. To do. And these are judgments. Jesus, just in a few verses later in Matthew 7, uh, from, from when he said, Do not judge, you will not be judged, said, Beware of false prophets. Man, they can look like a sheep, but they could be a sheep inside, of, or they could be a wolf wearing a sheep's clothes. Now, I'm asking you simply, how are you going to beware of, or avoid, or recognize a false prophet? If you don't sit there with your eyes screwed up and say, you know, there's something I don't, I don't trust about this guy, this woman. There's something that just doesn't make sense here. I don't get four when I add up his two and two. And you're assessing and you're making judgments so that somehow or other you come to the conclusion that you don't accept this person or you don't accept their philosophy or their theology or their leadership you reject something somewhere along the line and you say, this guy's a false prophet. How do you do that without making a judgment? You cannot. 
It's the idea of separating the true from the false. That is what judgment is. Jesus also said in a couple of chapters later in Matthew, if your brother sins against you, you go to him and you tell him that this is wrong or this is very hurtful. You go to him. Don't just assume he's going to figure it all out. If your brother sins against you, you approach him. You take this matter to him. That's my way of doing business. Now, here's my question. How do I decide something is sinful behavior if I don't make a judgment? I am making a judgment when I say, you know, the way, the way that person treated me, that is, that is flat out wrong. That's sinful behavior, and I won't, I'm not going to tolerate. Jesus said, go talk to them and tell them, tell them that, that, that this is unacceptable to you. I'm not, I'm not talking here this morning about the act of going and, and confronting the sinner. I'm saying, how do I decide that the sin is sin unless I judge? Here's, here's a, excuse me, this is a senior moment here. Here's another thing that we are told specifically as Christian men and women in the New Testament. We're told that sometimes as Paul described here in 1 Corinthians 5 with this, with this immoral person, sometimes there are places where we need to draw a line and say, you know, uh, in my judgment, you are someone I should not fellowship with. I'm going to just stay away from you. I, I'm happy for you to stay away from me and avoid one another because I cannot with good, uh, with a good conscience, I cannot talk with you and smile and shake your hand and laugh and be jolly and live and rub elbows and act like nothing ever happened because something is very wrong or something has continued to be wrong. I've tried to correct it and it just doesn't go away and I can't just ignore this. And Paul said, and these scriptures say at some point, just you have to draw a line and say, you know, from now on, I'm not going to invite you to my party. What is this? This this that we're told in the New Testament to avoid certain people. That's a judgment that we make. In Ephesians chapter 5, I think this is a, it says chapter 4 in your, in your notes. It's chapter 5. Paul says, don't get involved and caught up with the foolish works of darkness or the foolish deeds of darkness in your culture. Call attention to them. If they're sin, call it out. If the neighborhood or the government or the community uh, is, if, if, if something is, is of, a, of a nature that is against God, speak up for God. Speak up on God's behalf. Expose them. A lot of times things happen because nobody realizes they're happening. And then they're in the behind the scenes, this is all taking place. And it says expose them. How do I do that? How do I decide that something's on the dark side rather than on the light side without judging? Here's another that I'm told. I'm not, it says to mix light, it's 2 Corinthians 6. Don't mix light with darkness. Don't try to fuse God with Satan. Don't form a partnership. He talks about don't be yoked with an unbeliever. A, a yoking is some sort of a partnership, whether it's marriage or whatever it is. Just realize the basic 
fundamental difference between someone who is oriented towards God and someone who doesn't believe in God. There is an undeniable difference. And he says, don't form a partnership because light and darkness cannot coexist in the same place. One rules or the other rules. How do I do this without making judgments? And the reason I put ETC there is because there are many statements of these types of this type in the New Testament. All of those words, when you look at them, which are words that the New Testament gives to us, all of those would stand up when Jesus said, do not judge, and say, hold it. I, I have to make judgments. I have to. And I'm told to, and I'm expected to. In fact, all of these involve other people and include or involve a decision that I make based on my understanding of right and wrong. And that's what judgment, that's what judgment really is. In fact, we are also told in the New Testament as Christians, as believers, as children of the Lord, we are told that we are competent to judge if anybody on the planet is able to make a judgment, the Bible says it's the child of God filled with God's Spirit. More, more capable of making a right, correct judgment than anybody else in the world. I don't care how many political experiences you've had. I don't care how many degrees you have behind your name. I don't care. The Bible says that those of us who are filled with God's Spirit are smarter in a sense. And I don't mean that in an arrogant way. We are more likely to understand the real issues and therefore make competent judgments than anybody else in the world. And not just in, this doesn't just mean in, in, in the realm of church on Sunday morning, we're able to handle somehow or other our business or our, our administration. That's not what it's talking about. It says in any situation. The person who has the Holy Spirit is the best person to make the judgment. Here's one of those scriptures, 1 Corinthians 6. I want you to just think of it and read it. Do you not know the saints will judge the world? If you are to judge the world, are you not competent to judge trivial cases? It may not seem trivial to the people involved in it, but compared to the angels in the demonic realm, it's kind of trivial stuff often that we get caught up in. Do you not know we will judge angels? How much more the things of this life? So I think this person is exactly right when they say, don't we make judgments every day? Of course we do. And here we're actually told, in spite of what Jesus said in Matthew 7 and Luke 6, here we're actually told we should be able to make judgments. We're not only allowed to make judgments, we're the, we're the best people to make those judgments in life as it comes along. Here's a, also in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, here's a statement that Paul makes about the, the fact that this isn't confined to Sunday morning or Sunday school class or something like that. The man without the spirit cannot understand them. He's talking about the issues of life, uh, the real and true issues of life, um, the things that you know, the culture proclaims is most important. Those aren't the big deals anyway. The things that the Christian looks at and says and sees as the important issues, those are the things that, that are really important. And he says the spiritual man makes judgment about all things. 
and is himself not subject. In other words, just because the government says, look, if you stand up and say this, we're going to shut you down, that doesn't make it wrong. We're not subject to anyone's judgment but God. The government can put us in jail. The government can fine us. Some human institution can stand up and say, you're not allowed to say that. You're not allowed to make this judgment. In Canada this morning, if someone came into me as a pastor asking for advice about a certain behavior and the consequence in their life, and I said to them, simple, stop this behavior. Then you won't have this consequence, especially if it has to do with uh, sexuality. If I said, well, if you stop this behavior, you'll probably avoid this consequence, I can be put in jail. Because I'm proselytizing in Canada today. I'm simply saying, the scripture is saying, God pays no attention to that Canadian jurisdiction that says, you're not allowed to say that. You're not allowed to proselytize. The Lord says, you're not subject to anybody's judgment. If the judgment that you are making is that you're standing up for God and you're speaking on his behalf, they can put you in jail or shut you down or take your program off the air or whatever they choose to do. In God's judgment, that's all going to disappear. You, you won't be judged a second time for this earthly sentence or penalty that was put on you because we are filled with the Spirit of God and we see and understand right from wrong. <clears throat> so it seems to me, to go back to the question here, we, we cannot avoid judging and seeing and responding to these external attitudes and actions and, and things that we can see that are clear. When Jesus said, if your brother sins against you, um, if, he, if he tries to kidnap my wife, for example, that's pretty obvious. This is, this is something he did. It's, the judgment isn't based on a fantasy. It's not based on some kind of personal antagonism. This is obvious, and I make this judgment call. We cannot avoid that. On the other hand, what we do need to, to, to do, and, and the, the best possible, the best we can, what I think Paul was talking about in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, is that there are things that we do need to put our heads down and say, I'm sorry, I'm, I'm unable to understand or know the motives. And so I'm not going to condemn someone's motives because I, I'm a human being and my eyes are sealed against seeing certain things. and They're invisible. And therefore, I'm not going to pretend that I'm God or play at being God. And if possible, I can confine the judgments that I make to the act, to the to the external things and keep them away from the internal things the best that I can. Um, somewhere I ran into this. If you can see that in the back. Don't judge someone just because they sin differently than you. I think this is a little like Jesus saying, let him who is without sin cast the first stone. I mean, we all have sin. And Jesus is saying, look, you're, you're free to condemn others if there's nothing to be condemned in yourself. I thought this was kind of said, well, here's another uh, little saying that I ran onto that I, I really like, especially the last part, the last sentence, because I think often this would help many, many situations, both domestic, international, and everything else. Don't talk about me until you talk to me. 
if you have to talk about someone, make sure that you do know and you have talked with and that your judgment is not based on hearsay. It's not based on, um, uh, um, you, you know, some, something that you heard or guessed at. Make sure that if you're going to talk about something or someone that you actually have already gone through the step of talking with them. Don't judge me until you know me. I think that's very good advice. It's not, it's not from a verse from the Bible, but it agrees with what the Bible says. So let me, uh, let me go back to Matthew 7, and I know my time is just about done, so I'm aware. Don't, don't despair and say, oh, you forgot. It's Sunday morning, not, okay. I don't think Jesus is saying, and again, I go back to the parallel structures of this, the, the parallelism in the way the gospel's laid out. I don't think he is saying to us, there is never a time when you are allowed as a human being to make a judgment against someone else. If somebody tells you that, tell them you're, they're wrong. What he is saying is relationships have a cause and affect uh, reality to them. If you push, if you poke your finger somebody else, at someone, they're going to poke back at you. If you dish it out, it's going to come back to you. It's going to dish back to you. Don't judge or you'll be judged. He wasn't in that sense saying it is sinful or wrong in God's eyes for you to make a judgment. He's warning you, if you make a judgment, don't do it unless you realize that it's going to, be, it's going to come back to you. So the two parts that I want to point out is, the first one is what I just said here. He's saying, you forgive and you'll be forgiven. You be fair to other people and they'll be, they'll be people pick this up and, they, and it comes back to them. It comes back, uh, cast your seeds on the water, cast your bread on the water. Solomon said in many days it'll come back to you. It's about investment and return. This reciprocity is the, is the central part what Jesus is saying. But not only that, he goes on and says in the next phrase, and I didn't read it, in verse 3, I believe it is, of Matthew 7. Don't try to pick the splinter out of your brother's eye when you got a fence post in your own eye. Remember that phrase? That's in the very next sentence that Jesus said. So when he says, don't judge or you'll be judged, he's not only warning us, it'll come back to us. But he's also saying, how, he's also saying, don't be a hypocrite. If you can go around with a fence post in your own eye, then you need to allow the other dude to go around with a fence post. Don't get, don't get bent out of shape when you see a splinter in your brother's eye. It doesn't bother you about your own self. Then don't, then don't take it down. You know, don't get in his face about it. If you're allowed to do it yourself. Others deserve the same standard that you give to yourself. And so when I make a judgment on someone else, and that's inconsistent with what I allow in my own life, I am a hypocrite. And so Jesus is saying, don't judge or you will be judged. With the same measure you use, it will come back to you. He's saying exactly these two things. That if you, if you give it out, it will get dished back. 
If you're going to give it out, you're only free to do that if you don't already, if you are practicing what you preach. Okay. What's this? Oh, Jesus said, Jesus said, John chapter 8, I think it's a very important verse. He said, you people judge with human standards. I just put some things there in a sentence or in parentheses. Look at these because they're part of our human standard that Jesus referred to. Sometimes I judge things just because I already made up my mind. I'm not going to like it before I ever see it. That's called prejudice. I'm all, I've already made up my mind. I don't like it, and I've never even met it. And that includes people, by the way. <laughs> it didn't matter who was going to marry my son. I wasn't going to like her because she wasn't going to be good enough for him. We've all heard that kind of thing. That's prejudice. And these other things that affect or, or color or uh, give structure to our judgments. Jesus said, you make judgments according to human standards, but I don't. I, I put this in quotes here. I put this in quotes. This is in John 18, John chapter 8. I stand with the Father. That's what he said. So he was saying, if I make a judgment and I make a pronouncement and I say, woe to you, Chorazin, woe to you, Bethsaida, and I call the Pharisees a bunch of snakes and a brood of vipers, and I say some very hardcore, very condemning statements against people. Jesus said, when I do that, I'm not doing it out of prejudice. I'm not doing it out of arrogance. I'm not doing it out of selfishness. There's nothing personal, not an ounce of it in there. I'm doing it because what they are saying or doing is against God. And I stand with him. And I'm simply saying to you, this is like a wedge to, that divides whether a judgment is right or wrong. In God's eyes, whether it's allowed and permitted, and Paul, like Paul, who said, "I already made, I already judged the guy, and I never even met him. I'm not even there, but I know how this should be done and what should be done." It is this idea of of making our judgments according to God's standards or God's word, rather than my own human opinion, that makes it right or wrong. Here, I, I, I'm out of time. I understand that. Here, uh, here's, a, here's a phrase you've heard your whole life, speaking the truth in love. I'm simply asking, look at the two sides of that. One is tolerant, and one is, one is judging, judgmental, perhaps condemning. And, and it says, the scripture says you do both. As long as they're both present. You can speak the truth. Now, in, in speaking the truth, you may feel that I have judged you or I have condemned you. But if it is my goal to speak the truth, if I'm doing it in love, the scripture says, go for it. And this is my favorite. When Jesus said to the woman, this very sentence, I do not condemn you. Now, is that judging? How can you say somebody's judging when they started out by saying, I don't condemn you? But look what he turned around and said. This is a sinful life you're leading. You better, you better turn away from it. Jesus said, woman, you are committing sin. Is that judgmental? I mean, it, it, it would sound that way to me. 
he's not encouraging her. He's condemning her. But he also, on the other hand, has this attitude that makes it acceptable. He's speaking the truth, but he's doing it in love. Whatever this means, it cannot mean that we can never respond to spiritual darkness with, 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 without words of criticism or condemnation. If we can't say something critical of darkness when it's in our culture or in our family or our lives, then we're not, we cannot possibly be God's representatives in the world. Here's, here's the last one. We're done. Jesus said that we are salt and we are light. And I'm simply trying to get us to think about this. When you turn the light on, what if somebody's in there sleeping and they say, Oh, turn the light off. Oh, it hurts my eyes. Of course it hurts their eyes. It's confrontational. That's what light does. But we are light. So we can't say, we can't say, Oh, in the name of tolerance, I'll turn the light back off. I wouldn't want to, I wouldn't want to, cause your eyes any agony. When you put salt on food, it changes. It changes. the, f- And you can't undo it, and you can't just pretend it's not there. I mean, you either put salt in or you don't put salt in. And when you do, salt grips everything, and every molecule in that, fla- in that thing becomes f- of a different flavor because it's the nature of salt. It's the nature of light that it says... I'm here to make a judgment. I'm here to make a statement. I'm here to say, this is how it is. This is how it's going to taste. You don't like it? Go to somebody else's restaurant. I put salt on my food. You see what I'm saying? Jesus didn't mean that. He, he couldn't possibly meant that we were never to open our mouths or say something critical or disagree with something. When Jesus himself said, you are the light of a dark world. And so at times, yes. People will say this to, to uh, what does it say? To silence opposition. They'll say, don't judge. Jesus said, don't judge. Don't, do not judge me. But at the same time, that um, we're told that, we're also, we also realize that it's the nature of life and that we want to stand up for the Lord. Would you stand to your feet, please? Heavenly Father, today, this is a, a very impactful serious issue that affects every one of our lives, every one of our families, and we just ask for your help that we can have this kind of balance that speaks the truth but does it in love, that doesn't make it uh, prejudicial or personal or, or doesn't come out of arrogance or selfishness at the same time, is very concerned as Jesus was to stand up, to stand with God, to stand with you. And to be your spokesman like a, like a teaspoon of salt thrown into a, the batter. And to say, this is, this, is, this is how it is. Give us the capacity to absorb all this and to, to refuse to be intimidated by those who would use this as a weapon, as a weapon in front of us. Let us have no fear. Let us have no worry. And let us believe that as long as we are speaking in the truth and love, then we will be vindicated by you someday. Even if men take our freedom or take our life because they don't like the judgment that we, that we cast, which has often happened through history. May we have no fear 
Because we are told in your word that this is, this is who we are and this is what we can do. Speak your truth to our world. Thank you for this opportunity to just visit this topic and to seriously contemplate who we are and our identity as sons and daughters of Christ. Give us the boldness, but also fill us with the compassion and the love and the interest that you have for those around us. Bless us, Lord, that we can bless others through Jesus Christ, we pray today.